This is The Guardian. Fizzy drinks, tampons, leggings. These are just some of the thousands of products you can buy containing cannabidiol or CBD, a non-intoxicating legal substance derived from the cannabis plant. Get some CBD in you, I tell you what. I had some earlier and I wanted to go to sleep. I had to make sure I got home because my body was so relaxed, yeah, I could just fall asleep. CBD has exploded in popularity in the last few years with claims it can improve everything from pain and bad sleep to anxiety. These are the gummies and I take a couple throughout the day, morning and afternoon. Um, Don't eat them like sweets, they are unbelievably tasty, Um, but they just keep the anxiety at bay. But recently, this booming industry has suffered an apparent setback. The UK's Food Standards Agency has slashed their acceptable daily intake based on new evidence that long-term use could cause adverse health effects. So today, we're asking, what does CBD actually do to us? And how safe is it? I'm Ian Sample, science editor of The Guardian, and this is Science Weekly. Dr. Will Lorne, you're a lecturer in psychology at King's College London, where your work on drugs and addiction covers cannabidiol or CBD. CBD products seem so popular now. There are drinks, drops, lollies. So when did it take off and why did everyone suddenly want to take it? It kind of took off around 2015. Uh, That's when you see the real boom in purchases, the industry taking off and also mentions on social media and online forums. But the causes behind the CBD explosion are multifaceted, likely due to things like a change in perception of cannabis. So seeing cannabis as a medicine or a wellness product itself and that impacting cannabidiol, obviously a component of cannabis, powerful marketing campaigns by vendors, um, including bringing celebrities on board. And also, interestingly, the knowledge of genuine efficacy of high dose CBD pharmaceutical products. So we know that CBD actually is an effective medicine at high doses for some conditions. And obviously you can use that positivity about the product to impact the marketing of of low-dose CBD wellness products, even if that's ill-advised. And lastly, I think also people's ongoing frustration with conventional medicines failing to treat chronic conditions like insomnia and anxiety, leaving the space for alternative medicines, which may or may not be effective like CBD. Do we know how big the industry is and how many people use it in the UK? Recent estimates have put it at about £700 million in the UK, which is more than the vitamin and mineral markets combined, and actually only a tenth of the entire soft drinks market. Uh, So it's, it's definitely not a small industry. And from recent surveys, estimates show that about 10% of the UK population are using CBD on a somewhat regular basis. Most of those CBD users are using it once every few days, and and many of them are using it daily. And do we know how? How are people consuming it? So I guess you'd say consume because it's a food. Uh, Yes, well, it's a novel food if taken orally, but you can, of course, consume it in a variety of ways. Uh, You can vape it. uh, You can use cosmetic products like creams or shampoos, and even more uh, interesting routes of administration like suppositories. But primarily, people are using CBD oils where you drop the oil under the tongue and let it get absorbed 
by your blood vessels in your mouth. And also CBD vapes and, and edibles like gummies are also popular. I went to a website for one of these CBD companies and they were selling CBD gummy bears, but also insect repellent, skin lotion, all sorts of things. And on the FAQ on that site, I wanted to see what the sort of claims were that they were making. And there was a surprising line on there which said, due to UK law, we cannot make any health benefit claims about our CBD products. I just wondered if you could tell me about that. Why can't these companies promote the supposed benefits of a product that so many people in Britain seem to be using? In the UK, in order and, and also many other countries, in order to make a genuine health claim about a medical product, you have to have conducted multiple rigorous clinical trials which test safety in smaller phase one studies and then effectiveness in larger phase two and phase three trials. So supplements are regulated in an entirely different way. Um, and given that they typically have not gone through this clinical trial drug development process, they're not allowed to make health claims. That doesn't mean that they don't have any beneficial effects. It's just that we don't know and that they're, they're regulated as, as supplements. And so it is just illegal for them to do so. And this all makes this recent announcement from the FSA, the Food Standards Agency, all the more interesting, I think. I mean, they've reduced the acceptable daily intake of CBD from 70 milligrams to 10 milligrams. What's behind that decision? Well, over the last few years, uh, the FSA required many CBD companies to submit applications to them to prove that their product is safe and submit all kinds of data. And actually, we don't have any CBD product which has yet been authorised. All of them have validated applications. That means they're still it's still legal to sell them, but they haven't yet gone through the whole process that the FSA goes through to approve them. Now, during that process, they've looked at animal studies, pharmacokinetic data, where they give CBD to rodents or other animals. And then they see when you get observed adverse effects. Um, and they've been taking liver function tests and thyroid tests and behavioral measures of, of adverse effects. And they've looked at data uh, submitted by the vendors. And this has caused them to believe that chronic administration, so daily administration, self-administration of CBD over a long time, could have negative impacts on things like liver function and thyroid function. That's not to say that taking 70 milligrams of CBD in one go is dangerous on a single day. They're saying that over many months or years of use, uh, there might be harm seen. So that's what has led them to come to this slightly altered and reduced acceptable daily limit. You can probably put it in a bit of context by looking at what happens with the sort of medical uses of CBD. I mean, CBD's prescribed by the NHS as a treatment for some rare forms of epilepsy. And the European Medicine Agency says doctors can give a maximum of 10 to 12.5 milligrams per kilo to patients twice a day. So if I've got the sums right, if you weigh 70 kilos, that would be a daily dose of about 1750 milligrams, 1,750. I mean, that's obviously using CBD as a medicine for a life-threatening medical condition, whereas we're talking about CBD as a food supplement. But that daily dose, that, that 
recommendation now from the FSA of 10 milligrams daily seems seems like nothing. I'm, I'm wondering how the CBD industry has reacted to that change. Firstly, it's always a risk-benefit analysis, isn't it? And you mentioned that seizures, epilepsy are life-threatening and life-changing. And so if there's a drug which substantially improves the condition, then you're, you're very likely to tolerate small side effects uh, like sleepiness, diarrhea, potential impacts to your liver function. In terms of what that means for supplements, I think you probably can be safe in the knowledge that 10 milligrams is a very cautious level to go for. And the CBD industry has criticised that as, as very overcautious. So, Will, the FSA have taken this risk-benefit analysis to come up with this guidance that healthy adults limit their intake of CBD from food to 10 milligrams per day because of the potential adverse long-term health effects on liver and thyroid function. But let's look at the other side, the benefits. What do we know about that? CBD as a medical drug can definitely treat rare forms of childhood epilepsy. There are really promising studies showing that, again, high-dose oral CBD taken over months can perhaps also treat psychosis and also potentially treat addiction, including cannabis addiction. But psychosis and and cannabis addiction, along with other conditions like uh, anxiety and chronic pain, they haven't yet got to the point where the medical uh, regulatory agencies are happy uh, to to approve the drugs. They're just further down the line um, on the drug development pathway. In terms of can it actually benefit people who are taking CBD wellness products, non-prescribed low-dose products, uh, we just don't know. There was a study last year that was a randomized but open label study um, with over-the-counter CBD products that did show a positive impact on anxiety and insomnia and some pain. But we just haven't done the kinds of gold standard randomized placebo-controlled studies um, to actually test the impacts of low-dose over-the-counter CBD products on these outcomes. So there are people who are using these high street products who will claim that they feel better, whether it's in terms of sort of pain, sleep or or what have you. And I'm wondering whether you think that alone could be valuable, even if this is just a sort of placebo effect. I don't know what your feelings are on that, whether it could be a placebo effect, whether it's the CBD or, or a mixture of both. My hunch is that a lot of it is probably a placebo effect. And that is why we need to conduct randomized placebo-controlled trials. It's a more of a philosophical question about whether it matters, whether it's a placebo effect. And to me, as a scientist, as a drugs researcher, I do think it matters. I think people should really have access to clear data telling them what a drug is likely to do and that we're opening up society and uh, people's usage of, of medicines and supplements to all kinds of exploitation if we're saying that it's okay to promote placebo effects for people's benefits. I think that it's more honest to do the research. And I mean, an interesting point here is actually that when research has been done with CBD products being sold online and over the counter, only about 30 to 40% of those CBD products were actually accurately labelled in terms of their CBD 
and some of them had more THC levels in than would be legal or were labelled. So making sure that these products are properly and accurately labelled is absolutely crucial and the regulatory bodies need to hold these vendors to account on that. So that would be something that I would uh, emphasise the importance of. Finally, Will, what is it that scientists really need to understand with CBD, do you think, to sort of move on with all of this? Two things. One, the genuine long-term safety and effectiveness of of low-dose CBD products for key conditions like anxiety and chronic pain. And two, I think what's interesting is thinking about its pharmacology as well. It has such a complex pharmacology. It's not just acting on cannabinoid receptors. In fact, it doesn't do so very much at all. It's acting on all sorts of different targets, dopamine, serotonin. So at different doses, CBD may well have a multitude of different effects. We really are still in the dark about how CBD is pharmacologically affecting the body and which of those mechanisms of action are actually the reason behind uh, its effectiveness in conditions like uh, psychosis, epilepsy, and potentially treating addiction. Sounds like there's plenty left to do. Will, huge thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Dr. Will Lorne. Before you go, I wanted to let you know that The Guardian is expanding its home delivery service across the UK, including Manchester, Brighton, Bristol and Edinburgh. And for a limited time, you can get 25% off. Relax, put your feet up and get The Guardian and Observer delivered right to your door. To check whether your area is eligible and to subscribe, visit theguardian.com slash autumndelivery23. This episode was produced by Josh and Chana, Tom Glasser and Madeline Finley. The sound designer was Mal Lazetto and the executive producer is Ellie Bury. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then. This is The Guardian. 